0: Thank you. Am I on? Am I on? Am I on? Can you test, test, test? Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Hey, I heard today is Halloween. AKA Satan's birthday. Satan's birthday is today. All right, here you go. Let's celebrate. I got a lot of candy. Here we go. Here we go. Come on now. You know, the Holy Spirit talks more when you're filled with sugar, right? And you eat pizza late at night and you wake up, talks to you in dreams of dreams. Here we go. I'm going to try. They're not very heavy. Ready? Here we go. Uh, Not very heavy. I'm sorry, guys. For those who are young in your faith, it is not Satan's birthday. It is his wedding day. I'm joking. I'm joking. I inadvertently dressed like Fat Thor today, not realizing it. I'm okay with that. You know who Fat Thor is, right? You don't know who Fat Thor is? Go see the last Marvel movie, that's all I gotta say. All right, I'm a 45-minute preacher with a 25-minute window, so here we go. All right, let's go through the first slide. I'd like to introduce you to my family. This is my family up here. This is my wife on the, on the left. name is Natalie Tibbetts. Natalie is an amazing individual. I'm taking cue from President Hagen, who gets to show pictures. And so I want to introduce you to my family, because they're people who I can talk about day in and day out. Natalie's amazing. We do a lot of marriage counseling. One of the things we always encourage in marriage counseling One of the keys to, one of the many keys, I should say, to success uh, is marry someone who you can serve the rest of your life, all right? Marry someone you can serve. It's not about you. Marry someone that you can serve, okay? Uh, This is my son Graham. We call him Bubba. Bubba is eight years old. Here's a story that perfectly reflects Bubba. Uh, The other day, I caught him at breakfast staring at his bagel, just quietly staring at his bagel. I go, Bubba, eat your bagel. And he goes, no, it's, it's, it's just not toasted enough. And I do what all good parents do. I pull out the parent finger, and I point it at him, and I say, Bubba, there are kids in Uganda who would love that bagel. And he looks at me with a straight face and says, okay, I'll send it to them. <laughs> ah oh, crap that's at eight years old i don't know what's going to happen later on all right this is ada ada is a freshman in high school she's pretty amazing she's a heart transplant survivor she will be a freshman here in just three and a half years therefore i am currently taking applications uh, from young suitors uh, if you are a freshman male and uh, you will be a senior when she is a freshman it is a three and a half year process Uh, to be my future son-in-law. So please, uh, please consider. Um, I'm quite wealthy. I have a lot of money to give when I pass away. Um, And I love Jesus. I mean, really, and she's beautiful, so we're good. Um, So if you want to talk about that, please come talk to me after chapel. Uh, We have more uh, more individuals in our family. Next one is Mosley. This is... (laughs) This is Sir Mosley William Tibbetts. Uh, I had to wait until I was 40 years old to get a dog. My wife, as nice as she is, hates animals. Um, so, But uh, she tolerates Mosley. We do have another one. This is Cosmo. Cosmo the hamster. We have a blonde theme going on. Unfortunately, Cosmo uh, liked to eat a little too much. And uh, Cosmo recently just passed away. Uh, that hamsters can get diabetes as well. (laughs) So, with that in mind, uh, my wife, I really, honestly, I honestly thought she was drunk. Uh, She was like, I think we need to go get a cat. I'm like, girl, What is nothing drunk about that. There's a lot of drunk about that if you knew my wife. I'm like, let's just sleep on this and see how you're feeling in the morning. So, she woke up. She's like, I think we need to get another animal for Bob. I feel bad. So this is who we got. This is uh, Lady. <laughs> uh, lady. This is Lady Greta Tibbets. Lady Greta Tibbetts. Her street name is Fat Lady. Um, she's pretty amazing. She's pretty amazing. She is my spirit animal. When she sits, you cannot see her hind legs. She cannot see her hind legs because her fat. Covers it all up. I just happen to have that same issue when I sit. I cannot see my hind legs. So that is... <laughs> that's my family. It's a hot mess, but we love Jesus, and that's all that matters. All right. This is what we're going to be doing today, my friends, my brothers, my sisters. I'm going to be speaking the truth today, all right? This is my goal. I have one goal for today's time together with you. I have zero intention, will, desire to devalue anything that I'm going to be talking about today. It is not about devaluing anything, because we're going to be talking about faith and work, okay? Talking about faith and work. I'm not going to be devaluing anything that's related to ministry. I'm going to do the opposite. I'm going to elevate everything else to its proper position. I'm going to say it again. I'm not devaluing anything. I'm elevating everything else to its proper position. And this is why we've messed up. We have messed up a little bit. We have a binary thinking in our theology that separates two things that were never meant to be separate. So we're going to be talking about this today. Why is it important for us to talk about this? This is going to be a little bit of a hard conversation to set you up just a little bit. It's a little bit challenging for some people. The only thing I ask is that you allow this to be a spark for you to go dig into the Word deeper, find someone, myself, to walk you through the Scriptures, we'd be more than happy to do that. But this is an important conversation to have, because there are many, many, many Christians, both seasoned and young in their faith, who feel like second-class citizens in the kingdom. Because they work in the marketplace. We have to have this conversation. There's a brokenness in a lot of our theology that was not meant to exist. And I think it's the greatest heresy. I think it's the greatest heresy that we see today. Sometimes that feeling that we get in the marketplace as Christians is subtle. When we hear someone say, I'm called to ministry. Now what an individual is saying there is I'm called to vocational ministry. But what we often hear is, is what I'm doing not ministry? Is me working in a calf, or as a director of marketing, or as a teacher, as an ASL interpreter, is that not ministry? We gotta talk about that. Sometimes it's, sometimes it's, it's not so subtle. Okay, sometimes it's not so subtle. We placed in our department an individual who is a young man who loves the Lord with all of his heart, on fire for the Lord, graduated with one of our business degrees, got placed in this corporate job, loves the Lord, and a friend of mine who I love deeply, respected individual. These are this what he said to me was, let me make sure I got this right. It's unfortunate that an on-fire Christian took a corporate job instead of going into the mission field. Sometimes it's subtle, sometimes it's not so subtle, but it's a consistent message. Now let me tell you, when I heard that, I clutched my pearls, right? (laughs) And I said, am I sniffing glue? Like, I just placed an on-fire Christian in a corporation with a bunch of unsaved people, (laughs) right? Hey, let's put that aside. The fact is, this individual is laboring for the Lord. This individual is stewarding God's creation. Let's just celebrate that, all right? That's good enough. But yet, this one was, in, was on fire and was going to reach the lost, all right? Sometimes it's subtle. Sometimes it's not so subtle. I'm going to uh, set this up today with just a little bit. I got to go quick. All right, let me give you a little bit of my background, just a little bit of my story. Uh, that's me at five months. It absolutely has nothing to do with the story. I just think I'm adorable. <laughs> and so gotta give reason to give that five-month-old chunky monkey up there uh, some airtime, right? Uh, that's a cute picture. That is a cute baby. All right? Um, I grew up in a house where politics and business were hand in hand. I grew up with a father who ran a very large international business. It wasn't uncommon for us to be sitting at the table with my four siblings talking about business. That was our day-to-day conversation. And so at a very early age, I knew that I was probably going to go into business, probably go into politics in some way. I did not grow up in a Christian home, mind you, but I knew that was the direction I was going to go. The same is true for my siblings. I got my hands on a book. Uh, at way too young of an age, probably, no way I should have read this book uh, has, uh, at, at the age I was. It was called All the President's Men. And it, it later turned into, a, a, I think, an Oscar-winning movie, but it's from the 70s. And it's a true account, a documentary, essentially, of the two Washington Post reporters who discovered uh, uh, bad behavior of our then-president Richard Nixon that led to him resigning, essentially something dropped in me as a young kid saying that's what i want to do this idea of discovery this idea of like going on the hunt this idea of justice right i know not a lot of this but i'm gonna look at my 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 faculty and my friends here but like the hardy boys or Nancy Drew, right? Like I grew up on Hardy Boys, right? So it was like save your 89 cents, go down to the store and see if there's a new Hardy Boys book for you to buy. So this idea of mystery and discover dropped into my spirit at a very young age. And so subsequently, I went to school. I went to school to go study journalism. I did accept Christ when I was 16 years old. and, and I'll get into that a little bit later. But this idea that I'm going to be a journalist was something that was set in stone from a very early age. I ended up graduating from school and going to my first job at the Cincinnati Enquirer. The Cincinnati Enquirer is a paper within Cincinnati, Ohio, but had national publication. It was my dream job. I'm from Cincinnati. Um, I, I loved it. Uh, Jerry Springer, does that sound familiar to anyone? The TV host, right? Bad TVO's, right? He was the mayor of our town at one point. Uh, And so that spurred on my need for justice as well, just you know the story. Um, And so I went to the Cincinnati Inquirer. Uh, If you look at the picture to, I believe, the right, uh, that was me. I stood across the street on day number one, and this is in the uh, mid-90s here, and I took a picture of me uh, going into the building for the first time. And Because I, I knew it was going to be such a powerful moment, I thought for sure I saw Superman at the top of the building, right? It was. It was probably a bird, but I, I'm convinced I saw Superman. I walk in. This is the lobby of the Cincinnati Enquirer. I go into the elevator. I go to the eighth floor. I think it was eighth floor. And uh, I, I, I get my badge and do the whole thing. And then I go to my cubicle. And I'm going to go meet my cubicle suite mates. And I go to... Uh, The one on the left, and this is Jim. Now, Jim, back then in my mind, was like eight feet tall. He wasn't really, but he was just a big boy. And uh, I go over to Jim, and every other word that came out of Jim's mouth was a cuss word. All right? I mean, really profound bad words, right? And so every time he spoke, in my head, I was like, bleep, bleep. Bleep, 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 like in my head, not saying that loud or anything. I'm like, oh, okay, hi, Jim. Like, okay, what do I do with that? So I'm like, okay, I'm going to go over here, and I'm going to meet my other cubicle mate. So I go over here, and her name is Jeanette. Jeanette was sitting down at her desk, and I look at her cubicle, mind you. This is the mid-90s, and the best way I can say this is that there was exotic art she had posted and pinned to her wall. All the way around, I'm like, oh boy, good Christian boy here, good Christian boy. Don't look, don't look, don't look. You know, so we start talking. I'm backing away. You know, I don't want the sin of the art to come onto me, and I'm backing off. And she's talking, and we talk, and I find out that um, in the evenings that she um, she worked as an exotic dancer at night. I'll just say it that way. So on her free time. She worked as an exotic dancer. I'm like, oh, okay. So I'm just going to go back to my cubicle now and do my thing. So day one comes and goes. And I didn't say anything about Jesus to anybody. Now, mind you, at this point in my faith, I was prepared to know two things. That me working at the Cincinnati Inquirer meant that I had a work duty, which meant to be a journalist, But I also had a Christian duty, and my Christian duty was to save everyone that I ever spoke to and make money for those who do ministry in the church. That was my goal. And so day two comes, and I walk up, and I have the courage, and I'm like, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna go talk to Jim. So I go over here, and I go to Jim's cubicle, and I'm like, deep breath, chest back. So Jim, what the bleep is up? Here's the thing. (laughs) I said bleep. I said bleep. I did not say a bad word. I said bleep. Because bleep was going through my head every time I talked to Jim. Jim looked at me like I had corn cobs growing out my nose. He didn't say anything and just turned back to his computer. Oh, I think I failed at that one. All right, I'm going to go talk to Jeanette. So, Jeanette, how was the poll last night? She giggles and laughs and said it was fine, Bill. I'm just going to sit here and write. I started typing started typing. Day two passes. Day two passes, and I didn't talk about Jesus again. I did not talk about Jesus. A week passes. I didn't talk about Jesus. A month passes, and I didn't talk about Jesus. Eight months later, I still had not talked about Jesus. Because I did not share Jesus with them, I left my dream job because I failed, I believed, in my Christian duty and subsequently failed to understand why God cared that I was a journalist and what that meant for the kingdom. I cannot believe I have 10 minutes left. So I started digging into Word. I can go quick. I started digging into Word. Mid-90s, Google didn't exist. It was me, my Bible, and my concordance, right? That's all you needed, right? Lots of highlighters, some pens, and some tabs. And I started digging into Word, and I discovered something. I discovered that I had sus- subscribed to four myths, four lies that over 25 years later, I still see as rampant, as rampant in the church, all right? Four lies that when people discover the truth against these lies, I often find them crying in my shoulder because I'm the first one that told them they they had a purpose for the kingdom. Let's go to the next slide. Here's the four myths. Myth number one. I'm going to share with you the four myths and then the truths. Myth number one. God is more interested in the soul than in the body or the mind. Myth number two. To live a radical life, sold out life for Christ, means that I need to sell everything and move somewhere. Myth number three. Life is divided into two categories, the sacred and the secular. Myth number four because of the nature of the work, ministers and other clergy are more important to God's program than the rest of us, the laity. Myth number one God is more interested in the soul than the body or mind. I thank my youth pastor every November 22nd, uh, the wife and uh, husband. Every November 22nd for the last 20 plus years, 27 years, um, I send them a, a letter. A text, a phone call, and say, thank you for having the courage to reach out to a boy who knew nothing, and you asked me if I wanted uh, to know more in my life. And I said, yes. That's when I accepted Christ. So I've been in the church for a while, but not like some of you who grew up in the church. But something that we see a lot, and this is a good thing, is who do we put on the platform once a month in church? And we say we need to pray for these people. Missionaries. Should we do that? Yes. 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 I'm not pulling it down. I'm not pulling it down. Should we do that? Yes. Okay. But what happens if you're young in your faith and that's the only thing that you see as being elevated, as important enough to pray for in front of the church? I am waiting on my hands and knees, begging for Christ to have a moment in the church. When we bring up a janitor, when we bring up a teacher, a marketing director, an accountant, a missionary, an ASL interpreter, someone, we say we need to pray for them as well, and all those that are in the same position. When are we going to do that? There's nothing wrong with what we're doing now, but we have to do some other stuff. We have to do some other stuff. Because of that, because of that experience and a lot of other Christians, what happens is we rate careers based on the extent that they contribute to the soul. Therefore, number one, career that you can have as a Christian, as a pastor, vocational pastor or missionary. Why? Because they deal with soul work. Two. Be in a helping profession, a teacher, a doctor, a psychologist, a social worker. Why? Because they deal with people's insides. Three, at the bottom of the tier, second steerage, laborers. Anyone that deals with money, marketing, anything else. If we were on the Titanic, we're dead. All right? We're at the bottom of the boat. Granted, we're down there dancing and having a good time. All right? But we're dead, man. All the little life drafts gone off her, right? Of course, this is not the truth. This is not the truth, but it's a lot of what Christians in the marketplace feel, and is often reinforced subtly and not sometimes not so subtly. Subtly, subtly, subtly. Am I saying that right? Sure, why not? All right. What does God's word say? Genesis two seven. God created man as one unit. Man is not two parts not soul and body. Man is not three parts, soul, body, and mind. We are one unit. Here's the best analogy I can do. Dr. Hagen, come here quick, 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 quick. quick. Come here. Here we go, ready? (laughs) Come here, come here, I'm not gonna jump on you. All right, here we go. Yes. I'm gonna hand you uh, a thing of water. Ready, hold my water, hold it like that. Don't spill any water, okay? All right, who here grew up with (laughs) Kool-Aid? Come on, right? Red packet, He, he old man, he, he just said tang. All right. Red packet of Kool-Aid, you ready? Pour that red packet in, stir it. What color is the water? Okay, keep it there. Open up a purple packet, pour it in, stir it. What color is that Kool-Aid? Black, blue, something like that, right? Ah, the best, green, green, pour it in there. What color is it now? Ah. All right, here you go. President Hagen, reach in there and grab the red out. Ah, he can't draw. Can I reach in? Go sit down. Look. Look, I only did that because it's rare that you get to boss your boss around, all right? You can't do it. You cannot pull out the red. Why do we pull out the soul all the time as the most important thing? They are not three things that are working together. Our brains can't even conceive it. It is one unit. We were created as one unit, all right? Therefore, whatever contributes to the soul contributes to the whole person. Whatever contributes to the body contributes to the whole person where it contributes to the mind contributes to the whole person there is no hierarchy your work is not inferior because it deals with the body or mind here's a little secret i'm overweight i'm not healthy i am not physically healthy and whether i want to believe it or not it is impacting my soul and my mind Oh, I can watch any TV I want. I'm good. It won't hurt me. Mm-mm-mm. It's going in your mind, so it's impacting your soul and your body. You do this, 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 this. Nope. It's impacting the whole being. If you don't feel that, it's because the Lord gave you an option at the very beginning to walk away from it, but you chose to lean into the sin instead. All right? And now it's become comfortable for you. All right? Whatever impacts the soul impacts everything, mind, body, and so forth. Myth number two. To live a radical soul that life for Christ means I need to sell everything to move away somewhere. Can it mean that? Yes. Shake your head yes. Yes. Can it mean that? Yes. yes. Is that the only way that radical living for Christ looks no, like, though? No. no. It does not. Go to the scripture. 1 John 5:3. To live a radical, sold-out life for Christ means one secret thing that I can find in Scripture. It means to obey. You want to be radical for Christ? Just seek and obey. That's all we gotta do, is we have to obey. This is a fisherman talking to Christians in this letter. Just obey. Just obey. Therefore, you can live a radical, sold-out life as a missionary. Is that true? Yes. Can you live a radical, sold-out life as a director of marketing? Yes. Can you live a radical, sold-out life as a police officer? Yes. Because it is about obedience. And as long as you can obey, you can do it. All right? I love this passage in Scripture in Matthew. Give me the next slide, please. Well done, good and faithful. What? What? Servant. Does it say, well done, good and faithful teacher? Does it say, well done, good and faithful parent? Does it say, well done, good and faithful accountant? No, it is not vocation bound. It's behavioral bound. It's not vocation bound. It is behavioral bound. Servant. If you want to go be a police officer, go do it. Just obey Jesus. Be a servant. Two minutes left. Myth number three life is divided into two categories the sacred and the secular. Let me unpack that in 30 seconds. The greatest heresy in Christianity right now is that we have separated God's creation. There is no sacred and secular divide in Scripture because it doesn't exist here on earth. There are not Jesus things in your life and then everything else, it is all one. And guess what? The fervor that we show Jesus in here is the same fervor that we show him when you do your day in homework, right? It's the same fervor that you show Jesus when you're driving, when you're eating, when you're doing whatever it is. It's the same thing, okay? We've got to do it. There's no divide. Scripture tells us that. Colossians 1.16, all things were created by him for him. All things, Not some things, all things. Here's the greatest secret to know that if you are living a binary life, easiest clue is if you have secret sin in your life. It's the easiest clue. I guarantee you, you're living a binary life. You have sacred things in your life and secular things in your life. It's the greatest clue. Last point, number four. Myth number four. I'm glad I wore a sweater up here. Myth number four. Because of the nature of their work, ministers and other clergy are more important to God's program than the laity. I talked about this in point number one, but here's another truth for you to chew on. 1 Peter 2.9. Excuse me. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood. Are some of you a chosen race in a royal priesthood? Are some of you? No. All of us. We are all pastors. We are all called. Period. If you know the truth, you are a carrier and bear, uh, a bear, uh, you bear the truth. You take it wherever you go. I'll say it again. Everyone is called into the royal priesthood. There is no distinction, especially based on vocation. So what's the point I want to leave you with? Truth. excuse me. You can do whatever you want as a career as long as you can love God and love his people according to his word while doing it. I want to free you up I had a student this weekend in Wisconsin come up to me. I won't say his name, young a Hispanic man, taller than me, junior in high school. said, uh, sir, <laughs> called me sir, can I be a tattoo artist? I said, can you love Jesus and be a tattoo artist? And he said, yes. I said, can you love other people according to his word as a tattoo artist? And he said, yes. And I said, I give you permission to go be a tattoo artist. And he had tears in his eyes, and he hugged me like they always do, all right, and walked off. I'm going to say, this is my last moment. You ready? Raise your hand if you're going to be a vocational pastor or a missionary. Raise your hand high. Thank you. Thank you for what you're doing and what you're going to do. I am on my hands and knees begging you to learn this truth. And if you preach it, you will have a revival. I'm convinced revival is going to come from the marketplace. I'm convinced revival is going to happen when the body of Christ understands their role and purpose for the kingdom. Raise your hand if you're going to go into a nonprofit, for-profit, stay-at-home something. Raise your hand. You're going into the marketplace. Raise your hand. Good job. Thank you for what you're doing and what you're going to do. I'm on my hands and knees begging you to know this truth. Because if you know this truth and you live it out, you will change the world. You got it? Let me pray for us. Father God, we love you. Thank you for this truth. Thank you for your word. Thank you, Father God, that it's actually quite freeing to be a Christian. It is quite freeing to be a Christian. Father God, when it comes to our career and future, we need to obey you, Lord. And we do that by loving you and loving those around us according to your word. I pray, Lord, that if there is any heaviness on anyone's shoulder regarding this idea, Father, that you can pull it off, Lord, that you can show them grace and mercy to connect with someone who could help them walk through this, Lord. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You're out of here. Have a good day.